You're very welcome to Thursday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Let's get straight to business today. And I often slag them. We all slag them, don't we? Because they're never happy and they're always complaining about the weather. Who am I talking about? The farming community. But I think we have to cut them a bit of slack this weather, don't we, folks? With the awful, awful rain we've been having there since the uh, start of July. Paul Finnegan from Finnegan's Farm, famous farmers, joins me on the line. Afternoon, Paul. Afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. You know what I'm saying there. The weather. Farmers are always on about it, aren't they? I'm, I'm not being disingenuous there, am I? Oh, well, look, I suppose it's a, it's a major topic, the matter whether it's farmers or whether it's ordinary people, but maybe the farmers, are, uh, they talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, definitely <laughs> do. But, that, but that is, it does play a big uh, impact on our livelihood. So yes. It's probably one of the key, uh, ah, yeah. key reasons Listen, that we talk about it a lot. We, we, we're only having a bit of banter, which is, you know, that's all it is, really. We understand that the weather dictates an awful lot. And look at Paul, when you re- go back, the six weeks we had before the start of July, Mother of God, it was looking like there'd be water rationing, there was that little bit and then, did you ever anticipate the way it's turned like this? This is one of the worst Julys you've ever experienced. Yeah, well, I think that there was um, from there was a weather station there in Dunsany, and it's the worst in seventy years. Mm. So it's been the worst July in seventy years. So we can just we see that kind of weather pattern just changing from a complete dry spell to a complete wet spell. So there just doesn't seem to be any happy medium there at the minute, and even the forecast. The long-range forecast into August is nothing special either, but mm. we are getting bits and pieces done in between the showers. Mm. Um, and I suppose because the equipment is so big and, and, and we, we can we can you know we can just get in and get it done, but it's really really difficult, really difficult. Yeah, explain to listeners Finnegan's Farm. What do you do? Tell them what you do and and, and the way the weather impacts. Yeah, well, we're a mixed tillage uh, enterprise out here. We're out here at Ballarat, the far side of the lake there, and uh, we grow a lot of crops. Um, so we supply into into retail, into the supermarket, and and you know we have to have we have to have all the all the crops kind of out in and out. Um, so I mean the weather implicates an awful lot on that because we're looking at growing seasons. We need to dictate what the the growing season. And in decades gone by, you were always able to to dictate when your growing just your planting season was and your harvest dates were. Mm. But now in the last number of years, it's just been so so difficult to to uh, to dictate them. Mm. So we, we need to get the crop in, we need to get the crop out, we need to supply our our customer. And at the end of the day, you know, we've tillage crops as well. So and uh, the likes of wheat, barley and oats are crops that we we, uh, we come in and you're, you're dependent on the moisture being correct because you've been paid on your moisture content. You don't want a high moisture, you have extra cost, so you have to dry the carbon. So it's just, it's a knock-on effect. And then you, you need to get the, you need to get at it because... You know, we were probably a month later this year planting. Mm. So that month later planting means on the other end of when you go harvest, it's a month later. So then you, we could be harvesting into November. And you know what the weather is like in November. Yeah. It's never too pretty. So it just has been a knock-on effect um, from from maybe a, a late planting season, which will probably develop into a late uh, harvest season. And we don't even see the crops. Some of the crops are... You know, the numbers of potatoes underneath the stock is not there compared to last year. Mm. You know, well, that's because yeah. it was so, so dry earlier and yes. now it's probably got excessive rain and, you know, you don't want them sitting in wet either. Mm. There's no there's no way to win, is there, when you when you just put it like that? Go back to the wheat, barley and oats because I'm driving about, I, I see some got harvesting and you can see that they got the crop away. Perhaps, maybe I'm wrong here, before the deluge happened, but is there a lot of those crops now in the ground that are in real danger if this wet weather continues? 
Yeah, well, we'll say the likes of Winter Barley, that's all been cut. Yes. There, there is straw on the ground, and you don't see any bales around the countryside because the straw mm. is just so wet, you can't bale any mm. straw. So, so, and then when you go back to bales, you're going to, uh, there's not going to be as much straw there now, you know, than there was initially because we'll, some of it will have kind of faded away. Uh, the oilseed rape has been cut. Um, there is little pockets of it left to cut, not too bad. Oats, winter oats has been cut. Uh, again, no straw baled. And now we're moving into winter wheat. Now, the winter wheat, you'll see that's starting to discolour a little bit and probably getting yeah. blacker in the fields. And, and some of it's starting to lodge. So when winter, when wheat goes down on the ground, when, when it's flattened, we'll say, by wind or whatever it is, uh, or rain, they can start budding again. If you can, if you don't get that cut within a certain amount of time, uh, the wheat will start budding from the ear. And then soon you get that greenery coming up through the crop. And that, that sends your moisture completely out of control altogether. Mm. So we're seeing maybe the wheats are next to cut. Now, not all wheats are down, but they're just the, the colour. All you have to do is go by the fields and you see they're just yes. getting blacker and blacker. Mm. Um, you know, and if we don't get them caught in the next couple of weeks, um, it's just not going to be mm. a good scenario, you know. Oh, it's a real mixed bag altogether. Go back to the spuds as well. And as you said, the dry spell didn't help when it, when it came uh, to swell the tubers in the ground. What about blight in this weather? It's not been really humid, that humid, but I'm sure there's blight. there's been blight warnings all over the place. Yeah, so we would have a spray program for all our potatoes as in a blight program that we kind of stick to. So every so many days we have to get in and get the, the crops played and it's all a preventative more so than anything but when, when you're trying to go in with the, the machinery's got that little bit bigger now and, and the sprayers have got heavier we're starting to go out with half uh, loads in the sprayer um, you know just maybe some fields you might need an extra tractor in case it gets stuck in the track so all this has just been a knock on a knock on to just to you know get the crop sprayed but if you don't spray the crop and you get blight well, you'll have mm. no potatoes, it's a wipeout. There's, 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 no, there's no second coming back after when you get blight. It will just decimate the crop. So we're just we're trying to get in between showers, getting crops getting crops sprayed, and then maybe you might get a shower and, the, and maybe the spray might be uh, wiped off. It might be, you know, so you yeah. kind of have to go again and you have to wait for another shower. So you're constantly looking at the apps on the phone, seeing where's the rain coming from, uh, to just to get that little bit of a window of opportunity to get in get it sprayed and hopefully then you're, you're, you're safe for another maybe 10 days and then you have to go again. But some fields are just impassable at the minute. Um, and you just, I don't know, we, we, we're just kind of, we have a machine there, you know, and you can put, say there's 3,000 litres goes into some of these big sprayers and we're going out with 1,000 litres trying to spray it. Um, mm. just to see can we, so they won't, we don't get bogged down in the field. Yeah, isn't it terrible to be saying that at the start of August? It really is, and, and it does hammer home the difficulty you have. What are you growing? Are you mostly rooster? Yeah, we're mostly rooster on, on the on the potato end of things. Now, we have uh, queens, uh, British queens that we have to dig, and we probably dig them in the next fortnight or so. And again, they should be probably dug at this stage, uh, but... They're just not to size yet, so we kind of have to wait a little bit to, to get a little bit more size into them. Then we, we'll move on then to main crop rooster, which was going to be a bit later this year. Um, and again, digging conditions, are, I think, are going to be tough, you know. So um, today has only a bit of a, there's a bit of a scarcity there at the minute. Um, and, you know, we have old season going out and they're kind of running out fairly fast. So there is going to be high demand for potatoes, and I presume they're going to be a little bit dear in the shops as well, but... Uh, it's it's uh, it is a supply and demand, and this year we just we don't have the amount, and there doesn't seem to be the crops coming through either um, on the on the digs for this year. So mm. that's a little bit worrying too, because that does affect other end of things when when uh, 
next year. You know what I mean? When you want yeah. to when you want to kind of have a surplus, you won't have there'll be any surplus of the days at all. Mm. The rooster really pushed the care pink aside. Yeah, well, no, having said that, we still we still sell care pinks and, and still very popular. But they're, they're a minority, we'll say, as regarding the rooster kind of has taken over more so as a variety. Um, it's nearly everyone nearly knows the rooster as today, and while it is only a, a variety, but. Uh, once you mention rooster, everyone naturally nearly mm. thinks of, of potatoes. So yeah, look, they're an all-rounder. They yeah, have, they have that um, they can do everything. Cook them, you can bake them, you can boil them. They're good. Rodden the jacks good for chips. They're good for everything, really. Yeah, and and uh, they they have been. They probably would represent maybe seventy-five percent of of potatoes eaten in Ireland are probably rooster. Mm, yeah. Do you do any pipers at all? No, the, I like the Maris um, piper. No, no, we don't do pipers. Pipers are generally they're, they're for the chip and trade. Uh, what we do, what we grow is for, we'll say, for the for the, your, for the table, for consumer at yeah. the table. Um, Maris piper, while they're very good um, for for eating as well, but they're generally used in the chip and trade mm. piper. And that so you have different potatoes dedicated to different consumptions, whether it's you know um, for chipping or for crisping or for table potatoes. You know, they all do differ, even though probably everyone thinks a potato is a potato, but it's, it's actually quite <laughs> not. It's, it's a different thing when you're trying to grow something like that. Yes. It's different storage conditions. It's a little bit different than, than what we do. Um, we store all the potatoes at maybe four or five degrees, and then we can we can store them the whole year round. Right. So that's a, that's another aspect of it as well, getting them into storage and uh, uh, tip-top condition and keeping them in tip-top uh, condition as well. You don't want an old rogue boy in there because uh, they, they they all go quickly if there's a fellow with a bit of uh, badness in them at all. Yeah, well, the only thing is that all the potatoes we store now, we store them in big crates, they're in big tongue crates and they're yes. stored individually in their stacks. So if you actually have a problem, it can be a very isolated problem. Whereas years ago when, when they were stored as bulk storage, they all went in together. If you had one or two bad ones in that lot, yeah, you know you you had you were in big trouble. But uh, it's a little bit better done now. Mm. Now, having said that, some some of the Christmas varieties they will store them in bulk storage, and you know there has been problems in the past where you get a bad one, or maybe go in maybe and the two wet going in will sit into store plays a big uh, a big it's an important role to get them kind of get them right and get them dried out before before it, they might start sweating or yes. you know they can potatoes are funny Jerry you know you think that once it's just it's not stable all the time as as, as a you know when you put it into store it, it sometimes can do funny things you know yes. so you have to be kind of um, just have to keep watching mm. there and know, know what you're doing yeah there's a real science in it too and you do have to uh, that aspect of it maybe we don't think when they're on our table and we're enjoying them whatever way we roast them uh, mash them or uh, whatever um, do you do any other crops besides the wheat barley oats they say those and, and the potatoes anything else yeah well, yeah well we do some vegetables as well we grow beetroot and uh, we grow Brussels sprouts for the Christmas market um, and they they are fine. I mean, they are loving the water this minute. Yeah. Um, we don't really have to touch them as much. You know, what I mean, inner sprayers and that. Like we just, you know, you just keep. Uh, you have to kind of keep slugs out, and there is a few spray programs in them, but they're, they're not as as much as the potatoes. So yeah, well, they're, they're for Christmas. We're kind of they're looking good. Uh, the beef is looking good. It did suffer initially when when um, when it started to come up because it was a very dry spell. Some of the seeds didn't germinate, and we just had a higher germination rate as we thought we would have. Um, but again, that's it's that's yeah. Just have to take that on the chin and move on. Mm. Um, sprouts look very well. They do like the bit of rain, as do potatoes. Potatoes do love rain. But the thing is that you just when you want to get in to keep that blight program, uh, spray program correct, it it can be a bit difficult then, all right. But mm. yeah, them are the crops to grow after that. And we do have cattle as well, and we have grass, and that it looks everything looks good there. But 
suppose the weather just plays an effect on everyone's um, mood more so than anything. And, mm. you know, I, I would probably stress out to a lot of people who are on the roads, maybe, and they might meet me a common or a tractor that just to be a little bit patient because these guys, you know, they the could be the end of their tether in ways. Mm. So just, just to maybe move over and let them buy and let yes. them on and do what they are because you, you're going to put in a lot of extra hours, a lot of extra stress. You know, it just it does play on people's minds because there's nothing worse than seeing the crop that you grow, maybe you know, and harvest in the best conditions. And in the reverse, there's nothing nicer to see a crop that you grow harvest in perfect conditions. But this year, just now, it's just been a little bit more difficult. Yeah, I love the old Brussels sprout. How do you keep the white butterfly, the caterpillars out? I tried them once in the garden myself; they drove me mad. Ah, there's, there's loads of things now. There's loads of things now, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, when you're at the scale that we be at there, you could I know, yeah. yeah. Uh, no way, but look, yeah. um, we, the sprouts are they're a nice they're a nice crop. Um, yes. Not too hard to grow. Now, a little, it has all a bit timing as well when you kind of put in the crop and when you want to take the crop back out. Mm. So there's, there's lots of different varieties there that some are more earlier and then we kind of have to program that. We have a good program maybe coming up to Christmas that some of the nicer sprouts are coming in at that time and yes. you know you just have to kind of it's a little bit of time but it's very hard to grow to plant the crop in, in, in May and to try to get the timing correctly right for maybe three weeks in around the Christmas period because mm. that's when you know that's when probably 80% of the sprouts are, are, are yes. sold so mm. it's it's a little bit of um, yeah a little bit of playing around on that one but look you get good at your job and you know you get hopefully you get most things right you won't get them all right but again yeah. when, you're, when you're farming in uncontrolled um environment is difficult it's very difficult and it's been probably getting more difficult in the last number of years yeah it's a long grown season for the sprout is right in a general sense you know we hear a lot about agriculture and emissions and climate change and that what's your take on that because it's a huge uh, backbone agriculture of our economy here in this country yeah, well, I think that the biggest thing to have to get is get the balance right. You know, you can talk about all climate change and, and you know, when, when we said the likes of the, when they got rid of the COVID then and the cow numbers went up and then now all of a sudden now the, you know, the nitrates program has come into play and water quality and things like that. But here's the balance and act on it now. You know, I do think farmers are at the forefront of all this. I mean, they are trying to farm as sustainable as they can and they will do everything that they will to keep their business going. And I think sometimes maybe, you know, we lose a little bit of that. Let the farmers farm and, you know, we, we, we'll still be OK. But the climate definitely is changing. And whether it's all down to farming, I would probably disagree a little bit. But, um, you know, they seem to blame us a little bit on that. Um, and we have been doing, you know, making strides and, and probably being more sustainable and farming in different ways. And, we you know, sometimes maybe we do have to redress and maybe look at our farmer practices and change them a little as well. And that's no big deal to farmers because, you know, they do adopt the most things to come to come mm. come on the way. Like, so, um, yeah, I, I just, I feel that we sometimes we're kind of pushing the farmer away, you know, and you don't want to lose that vast knowledge, amount of knowledge that these farmers have from whether it's a, a data grower or, or, a, or a, a guy that's a dairy. Like, they have some amount of knowledge to be able to, you know, have a business, hold on to it and pass it on to the next generation. And if we do, if we, if we kind of all the time come down on them, I feel that's lost. You know, and you're going to lose that value, that knowledge that maybe the next generation mightn't get because this is all not textbook. Like you don't, you don't learn a lot of this off off the books. Like you have to yeah. be involved in farming, and you have to know, and it has to be. You know, as I just say, it, it sometimes it's bred into you, and that's when it comes out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a little bit. I, I'm I know it's there, and I know we have to make you know adjustments 
again 2013 I know all them things has to come down the, the line but um, I think maybe they just could lay off us a little bit more you know yeah yeah, yeah. at times you know and I understand and you are at the forefront of it and people have all that knowledge and all that years passed on and I'd still say again it's a huge part of what we are here and I think uh, working together is the way forward and, and I, I, I know that and please God that will be the case just before we finish up you know on, on the, the costs of the inputs you have into your business it's costing you more I take it with all that's going on as well to, to do what you do and then on the other side of course you have to get a price for your produce that makes the thing viable what about that whole scenario um, you know going forward yeah, well, I mean, we have pricing cost increases in everything, you know. Everyone has them across the board, whether it's us or whether it's a retail level, they're going to have them as well. It's it's just trying to work with your retailer or who your end, your end product is going to. And I mean, look, we sit down regularly and we have those chats. And we know on one side that the consumer wants a little bit different, a little bit cheaper, and they want value. And we know the retailer has to supply, and, the, and we have to survive too, because like, we are the grower. So it's a matter of getting that communications, keeping them lines open all the time and all the time talking about, you know, what's coming down the line, what's next. You know, if potatoes are going to be scarce, do we, do we see where maybe potatoes might have to go up? Do we need to educate consumers to say, well, look, there is a, um, it's going to be a shortage here and your potatoes, you might see them, you know, increase in price. So the communication is probably the biggest thing that we, we can always uh, work with and work with your retailer because at the end of the day, you know, we're supplying them. They're taking product after, and the consumers get on the other side. So it's it's a it's a very much uh, you know a communication um, line that you have to take with them all the time. Farm to fork, support our own on the ground sprouts, uh, beetroot, potatoes, all the other crops that go into our food as well. Irish farmers, the best in the world. Listen, Paul, thank you very much for joining me on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I wish you well. And I hope the weather gets a bit better for you. Thanks very much, Jerry. Well, so look, we, we'll do our best anyway, and uh, hopefully, because we're, we're a very good uh, country of producing food, and so yeah. I think that's the way we should we should keep it. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. Great to talk to you, Paul. Take care. Okay, thanks. Take care, Jerry. Bye-bye, bye-bye. 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 That's Paul Finnegan there from Finnegan's Farm out of Balrathway there in County Mead. Coasting along with Jerry Kelly. Yes, each Tuesday in August, aren't we, Louise? We're out and about with the late lunch. Starting next Tuesday, we're coasting along to Clarehead. We're on the pier next Tuesday. All right? We yes. Want, we want so you if you to- want to see Jerry with his rolled up troopers <laughs> and his bucket and speed. <laughs> Clarehead Pier, it's a date folks we're on Clarehead Pier next Tuesday and each Tuesday in August we're coasting along with late lunch and we're moving along the coast up and down for the month of August with the show on a Tuesday, looking forward to seeing you there thanks for your comments to the show Jerry. would you please mention to that very reasonable farmer to please be considerate on our narrow rural roads with their large machinery, thank you says Anne, yes Paul is uh, Paul Finnegan who we were talking to earlier on I'm sure he's a man that understands that as well he did mention the machinery and uh, the task they have in moving from field to field etc uh, but thanks for your comment Anne. I really do appreciate it uh, another one in there as well about the farmers where is in the midst of the, of the horse show answers as well um, yes on the subject of farming and a fair wage can I recommend a great documentary on Netflix says Paddy uh, to watch over the bank holiday it's called The Price of Fairness we'll uh, take that on board Paddy thanks for getting in touch with us 
on the show. Now, my next guest has been with us in the past on Late Lunch, and we're delighted to have her back. She's known as the Irish Budgeting Mammy, Anne-Marie Gaynor. Hello again. Hi, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks for joining me on the show. Well, our Louise spotted you on Instagram and says we got to talk to this woman on Late Lunch again because uh, your ESB bill. Tell our listeners what happened to you. So basically what happened was I was on I was on the level pay, you know, the one for the kind of keeping it level all year round. Yeah. And it quickly jumped from 240 to 550. <laughs> um, so I just, I kept putting in, um, you know, I kept reporting in um, what my meter reasons were and all that kind of thing. And basically, um, the, the bill stayed at 550, 450, this kind of thing. And eventually I left. I left before the end of my contract. I asked for the bills to be looked at. I left with an 800 euro bill, basically, and I was paying it off. And they came back to me and said, actually, they got the figures wrong. I don't have to pay them back to 500. And I got actually, um, I got money back that I paid into it. So you were being overcharged? Overcharged. And I couldn't really understand, but what I did was I actually went completely anal on the whole thing and just went and tracked all my, my units. And then when I got the new bill with the new company, I knew I, there'd be the same kind of unit, so there had to be, there had to be some mistake. <laughs> yeah. But it just shows you that, you know, we got to be careful with these things because the way it is with me as well, I, I'm, I'm the worst in the world, I have to say, Anne-Marie. You know, it's direct debit. I see the little notice, I get me bill in and that, but I'm not one until the end of the year really to look over it. This is a, a salutary lesson. It really is. And it's not just um, with the ESD. This has happened here with my phone. Um, so basically the broadband and phone and I was getting these massive bills, so I was I was, I was giving out to everybody in the house saying they're using the phone. So I unplugged the phone, and um, the bill was still high. So I rang them up and I said, "What's going on?" And then they were, "I told oh, you about all these calls." I said, "No, I didn't." And um, so they went back and checked. I said, "Oh, um, you have a SIM card, you know, for a mobile?" I said, "No, I've no SIM cards with you at all. I've never had a SIM card, you know, with you at all. My SIM card's completely different." And they they admitted they made a mistake. And the same thing happened with the same company two months down the line again. So I left. So you're a, a sort of an unfortunate uh, customer for these utilities. But again, you, you were able to rectify it. They stopped it. You, they refunded you. Yes. Yeah. And definitely. Um. I think the thing with the the phone, it was it was def- They told me that I'd been knocked off my contract, and I said, "How could I be knocked off my contract?" They were saying my contract was over, mm. and I was saying, "Well, actually, I'm only six months in. It's hundred percent not over. I have both ESD and phone going. You know, the contract changes in August, yes. and then um, it just kept happening. So it was more out of annoyance that I left. Yeah. So that's uh, that's uh, again uh, another area that we need to keep an eye on. Do you change when you say your contract comes up each August? Do you shop round uh, as a, a rule? Yeah. Yes, that's why I have them the same month. I always tell people know the dates when the contracts are up because often people forget, and then it's straight away taken off the contract and put onto the high onto the higher rate, mm. which is a disaster. <laughs> and I agree. I have lot I, in the past. I probably wouldn't have checked bills as much. Um, I definitely wouldn't have looked into. We often just pay when the bill comes in and, and never ask, is this right? Yes. And, you know, you are the Irish budgeting mammy, Anne-Marie. You should be yes. leading the way here. 
I am now, but I'm thinking <laughs> in the past yeah. years gone by when I really wasn't kind of on top of it, top of it as much. But I definitely noticed it was kind of the older generation. They often just accept the bill. Yes, you know they never think of questioning it and all that kind of thing. And I, I was quite worried that they would be overcharged mm. and they wouldn't. They just they see a bill, they panic and they pay it. Yes. And the other thing, you know, I want to mention something here because I copped something. You know, when you get your bank statements as well, you know, you don't get yeah. them. They don't come physically anymore. They tell you your statement is online. Yeah. Again, I'm one when I'm doing me tax stuff at the end of the year. I do throw my eye down through them. But last year, again, I spotted something on my bank statement that I, my gut told me wasn't right. And when I went back, it was an error. Yes. You know what I mean? Yep. And that, I, yeah, yep. Definitely stay on top of them as well. Um, I've had, I've I, I rang them for t- things that were completely right, but I thought they were wrong when I, when I saw them on my bank statement. But another time was actually during lockdown, there was some restaurant in the US I got my card was charged to. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, listen, and, and, and you know, we're, we're talking about this today to warn everybody, you've got to pay more attention to all these things because something will slip through and, and you won't notice it. So that's on the utilities, that's on your bank statements. How about across the board? How are we getting on in terms of, you know, the, the price rises, the huge price rises in the supermarkets, people going shopping? Have you, have you, have you got even more savvy on that front, Anne-Marie? Yes, and now I do all my shopping online. I actually started it kind of to save me time, but it's the best thing I've ever done simply because I can go back over what I have in my basket and it's not that you're at the till and it's gone through and you're just panicking and you have to pay. I can sit down and take my time and go, actually, I don't need that this week. You know that kind of way and I can take things out. Mm. So so online, you, you like the online? I do. and I never thought I would like it, um, but I, I'm 20 kilometres from... A big town, you know, it's a big supermarket. Yes. So I pay, I pay a monthly rate of fourteen euros for all my deliveries, so I can get two deliveries a week if I want. You know, so I'm saving diesel as well as time and money on my shopping. Okay, so you're, you've now become a fan of this. And what, one thing I was to ask, it always puzzled me about this because I'm a big fan of TESCO, but I can go there myself. But I, I do see the people in there from the store shopping for others like you, you know, going along, getting the stuff. What about the dates on things? Do they, do they, you know, put something into your delivery that has a short time span and you got to use it quickly? Or do you find they're cognizant of that and they go as long as possible? Possible with those dates? I found a huge improvement in that. Originally, I, I tried online shopping a couple of years ago and I was guessing that, that things were going out of date maybe two days later or stuff like that. Yeah. But um, now I found a huge improvement. Everything is, is completely in date. So I, I, don't, I don't know whether people are complaining or they just kind of realise it and kind of, you know, people aren't going to do online shopping if, if things were coming up to out of date. But there de- definitely has been a big improvement. Yeah, that's something that would be in my mind that that would be the case. And God, they have to, because if they're at that, uh, you know, you'll do it once or twice, but you'll probably give up on it and that they lose that aspect of the way people shop today. The other thing, my granddaughter took me along and, you know, the zapping as you go along, you know, you zap the items going through the store and then just yes. go up and, and pay. Ava's great for that. When she comes with me, she wants me to do that all the time. When she's with me, I do it. But when I'm on my own, I revert to, to just throwing the stuff in and either going to a yeah. checkout or uh, going to the self-service as well uh, through myse- m- myself. There are so many ways to shop nowadays. What do you think? Has, has, it, has the, the price hit stabilised, do you think? 
No, I no. don't. I actually, I kind of, I, I hadn't been in any of the budget supermarkets, you know, in a yeah. while, or more considered budget supermarkets. And I actually looked in and I said, they're, no, they're about the same price as the normal supermarkets now. So I definitely don't think things are decreasing. I saw the tolls on the N4 have gone oh, up yes. 30 cents mm. since I worked there. <laughs> or since I was working up, up, up in Dublin, it was two ninety, And I came down, that was... That was 18 months ago. Now it's, it was 3.20. I was literally sitting there after throwing my 3 euro and going, what's wrong with this? Why, <laughs> why isn't it opening up? And then I realised it was, needed another 20 cents. <laughs> yes, yes. I saw you posting a receipt, all right, of the of the, uh, of the toll charge as well. So they're going up. And like as you say, uh, from your experience, there is no stabilisation. It continues to rise. It looks like, uh, Anne-Marie, we're in for high uh, food costs for good. Yes. Um, but it's it's the thing is it's, it's I don't know where the, it's kind of um, it's not really been passed down the line. You know when you're going to the farmer up, it's, it's not really been passed down the mm. line. And I, I did a post about the price of milk and how much the farmer gets for the milk and how much the milk has increased. Like it's been dramatic. I always bought the, the three liter drums of milk and it used to be two euro. Now it's like three euro. Like that's you know fifty percent gone up. Mm. Yeah, so uh, look again, you need to be savvy shopping and, uh, you know, looking in your local area to see can you get value from local producers and that as well. How do you stand on local markets on that? Do you like them or going directly to the farm or farmer's markets? Well, now I, I live on a farm, so, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm, very, I'm very lucky. I get lots of farm. <laughs> what am I talking about? I'm talking yeah. to a woman that's looking after herself. But look, you have to say, I find them. I like them. You know what I mean? I do like them. Uh, you know, and I think you can get good, fresh produce on your doorstep as well. Yeah, I do. I love them, actually. And I love them kind of going for vegetables and different things like that. And, you, you yeah. know, kind of getting your base stuff in the big supermarket and I, I do really like the idea of them um, so you know supporting local and anything kind of like that and anything kind of small scale as well because yes. it is there's a nice feeling about it never mind about the yeah. finances but there is a nice feeling about it yeah there certainly is anyway the message today from Anne-Marie check her out on the socials she's the Irish budgeting mammy she's always posted there but this and the other check your bills check your utility bills don't take them at face value Anne-Marie thank you for joining me on the show again today thanks so much for having me not at all take care of yourself bye bye that's Anne-Marie Gaynor there the Irish budgeting mammy well, we're heading to Dunboyne now because Theresa Coulthard is standing by and she works in the Vincent's shop there. Hi, Theresa. Hi there. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for joining me. I hear you're on top of your head. We are. We're absolutely flat out so busy, which is absolutely wonderful. Uh, we are getting so many donations, so much support. So many customers coming in and buying. The shop is absolutely buzzing at the moment, which is fantastic. I'm delighted to hear that. Now, talk to me about school uniforms. What's the story there? Yes, so we are, have a good selection of uh, school uniforms for the schools in the local community. Um, we can't keep up with demand, to be honest. So we put a, an appeal on Facebook a couple of days ago saying we're looking for school uniform donations if anybody's sizing up and they have uniforms to spare or the, you know um, we'd welcome your donations we we have a list of customers who are constantly coming in looking for the uniforms uh, it's fantastic the trouble is we can't keep up with it we you know so we're out there looking for donations and to uh, meet the demand so we have 
the local schools in the area, which is the Dunboy National School and St Peter's College. Uh, great value, great prices. And there's Christmas buying today. Coming in, looking, buying, donating. It's a constant rotation of stock. So you're saying to people listening to us today in the Dunboyne area, if you have uniforms that your children are no longer wearing or using, please bring them in. Not ones that are, you know, not in great nick. You're looking for uniforms that have been kept well and in good condition. We are, we are. Obviously, we want them, you know, everybody wants to buy something that is in good condition. You know, we want things that are saleable. But if something's not in absolute perfect condition, we can sell it at a lower price. You know, because a lot of customers are looking for spares. You know what the kids are like when they go back to school. They perhaps have their PE, they take the hoodie off, they forget to bring it home when it's gone. So, you know, a lot of customers are buying them as spares as well. So, so, yeah, uh, but, yeah good yeah. backup. They're a good backup, good you're saying, backup, too. Especially coming, you know, for going back to school in August, the winter's coming up, you know, they, jump, they come home from school absolutely soaked through to the skin, trying to keep up on everything, get everything dry for the next day. You know, they can have backup supplies. And, we're, you know, we're selling them at really, really good prices. And it's for the schools in your area, in the Dunboyne and Greater Dunboyne area. That makes sense that they're for there and from. Yeah, yeah. It it does. But there's other St Vincent shops who are stocking school uniforms for their local areas, such as Trim, Navin, Dunshocklin, you know. Yes. SVP are stocking school uniforms in the area. And and they're in local staff. Yeah, you're in in Loud too. I know that. I know they're certainly in Drogheda and I'm sure they're throughout Loud as well. So Vincent's shops in your local area, wherever you're listening to us today, uh, will gratefully take donations of school uniforms. And of course, then they're on sale there for people in the market shopping for them. And look at when you have a good, any aspect of of a school outfit that's good, why not? buy it and you can buy it at value and save money. Absolutely. I mean, the prices are unbelievable. Really, really good value. And as I say, we are taking uh, customers' names and numbers who are coming in looking for uniforms and I'm just saying, leave us your name and number. When it comes in, we will ring you. Mm. Uh, which is fantastic. And keep popping back in because it's a constant rotation. They're coming, they're being donated, they're selling through. And you know, we're in this uh, uh, environment today. Let's recycle and reuse mm. and support the local community. That's it. And uh, yeah. you're putting the uniforms and aspects of the uniforms. People have different parts of uniforms and that to, to good use again. So the Vincent That's shops it. are open for business, looking for donations and have these outfits as well. If you call into them uh, because we're, uh, you know, in early August now and schools will be returning towards the end of the month. I listen to you. I take it you love what you do there. We absolutely love what Also, just on just one moment before I move on. With regards to school curriculum, we're also stocking school books as well. Oh, great. So we, have, we, ha- we are accepting donations. We have donations. Of, if anyone's looking for books, they're moving into fifth year, sixth year, or junior cycle, we have books here. So we, we do have books here. So, you know, we welcome everybody to come along with the donations. And also, if they are seeking back... I know a lot of um, classes are now going, working from laptops and things now. But you can't beat a good book, and books are here as well. Mm. And books, we were saying that yesterday. You have the technology, but books are part of the school year as well. How did you uh, become a volunteer in the shop, Teresa? Because I take it, I, I can take it, I get it from you. I feel it over the airwaves. You love what you do. 
I do, yeah. Uh, so I'm the manager of Vincent's here yeah. in uh, in Dunboyne. Uh, it's a be- it's a wonderful environment. We have a good, um, a fa- fantastic uh, volunteers working here. We all work together. We all pull together. It's a lovely, welcoming atmosphere. We have very many regular local customers receive them day in day out and it's a wonderful wonderful environment to be involved in how did you become involved when did you become involved yourself um i became the manager in only recently here in may okay great and did you yeah yeah did you volunteer before that yourself yeah no, 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 I wasn't. No, no, I wasn't. Okay. So this is completely new to me. And All right, I'm there you go. Loving it. There yes, you go, yes. there you go. Something yes. new from May time of the year and uh, yes. loving the job in Dunboyne. Listen, thank you for joining me today on the show. I really appreciate it and good luck with all you do. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Theresa Coulter there from Vincent's shop in Dunboyne. Vincent's all over the northeast as well, doing uniforms, doing books. Don't forget them if you're passing by. Call in. Donate if you can and you're helping others. And if you want to buy, well, they're there too. Late Lunch, LMFM Radio. My next guest on the show today is an award-winning Irish mental health blogger and he has a salutary tale to tell us. Dara Fleming, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, Jerry? How are you? Ah, good. Thanks for uh, taking our call today and joining me. Okay, so take us back a little bit. You were on a dating app, Yes. Yeah, yeah, I was on a dating app and I um, met a girl who said she was from Cork um, and we were chatting for a few weeks on the app and then um, she suggested we move to Snapchat, which is fairly common, uh, just to you know get off the app. And we chatted there for another week or so um, and then, you know, we'd made plans to meet up, um, which is actually meant to be today. Um, and... So then, like, last weekend or so, Friday, uh, she kind of started, I suppose, sexualizing the chat a little bit, like sending more raunchy pictures and stuff, uh, and requested I do the same. Um, and, which is, you know, this, these things do happen. It's happened before, and nothing's come of it. You know, these things happen. Uh, so I did. Um, and then I was busy last weekend. We were just kind of chatting normally again. And then Monday morning, um, I got a message off her, and... There were screenshots of the pictures I sent her and screenshots of my like Facebook page and some of my family's Facebook page and um, a demand for €2,000 um, to stop them from being posted. Um, and then they rang me on Snapchat, so the girl in question Snapchat rang me and it was a man on the other line and he said he was from Nigeria and that Ireland had loads of money and we got jobs and that he wanted some of the money um, and that I needed to send him €2,000 in Bitcoin. Um, and I was obviously very, very, like, freaked out and panicking and, you know, my heart was racing, but um, I kind of knew that if I sent the money, um, it wouldn't stop. Um, he was asking more money, so I kind of politely told him to F himself and said he could send him to whoever he wanted, he could send him to my mother or whatever, um, and I hung up and blocked him. Uh, and then after that, he messaged me on an account on Instagram, and tried to ring me there, I blocked that account, then another account, and he said he dropped the price to 500 and that the pictures were going to be uploaded like immediately, so this was my last um, chance, um, and that I had to do the right thing, be a good man, and uh, send him the money, so I um, blocked him again, and that's the last I've heard from him, thankfully. And then, 
uh, that's when I kind of put out the tweet because I suppose I, you know, it was out of my control. The pictures were gone, and I just wanted to get ahead of it. Um, and now there's a lot of people in my in my mention saying I'm doing this for attention and doing it for money and all this kind of messed up stuff. Uh, and really, like, you know, I've, I've, I've done media before because I'm, I'm a writer, uh, but, like, this is not media I'm very happy to be doing. Um, mm. But at the same time, um, this is a conversation that needs to happen because people in my situation often take their own lives. Um, it really destroys their lives. And... Um, as a, because I work in mental health, I just thought, you know, I needed to do my, yeah. my part and just, yeah. and just be open about it and say that yes. it does happen yeah. and it doesn't have to end in, in death, essentially. Yeah, I, I think you're fantastic to actually uh, go public with this because it is something that could just happen to anybody. So Tracy turned out to be Tom or somebody of that stature, a man anyway. Tracy was a man, it looks like, and not in this country. You mentioned uh, possibly based in Nigeria or whatever, and uh, strung you along for a few weeks. You thought you were talking to a, a local girl who you were eventually going to meet up to. Do you feel a bit silly now that you sent any pictures? Um, do I feel silly? I feel I don't. I don't feel any shame for sending pictures. Yes, this happens. happens. I know it happens all the time. But when in on mature reflection, let me say now, you wouldn't do it, or you won't do it again. I take it. Yeah, no, I won't be doing it with someone I haven't met for sure. Um, yeah, and I probably won't be using dating apps in general. Yeah. No, I feel, <laughs> of course, I feel a bit. Um, stupid and that like I didn't know the fake person or I didn't you know just got myself into that situation and but like having said that it was really convincing it felt so authentic the reason slang I'd used they were you know yeah. talking the way and it was just really really convincing um, so like yeah on reflection yeah I mean I won't be doing anything like that again I'll be far more diligent but that isn't to say that it couldn't it could happen like to anyone yes. it's it just yeah it, 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 it is Obviously, uh, highly embarrassing. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it can happen. And uh, my main point is that like, there's nothing wrong with actually sending pictures. It's just sending them to, to people you can trust and who you know. Yes. Uh, and and may, may I say as well, who hasn't been embarrassed in their lifetime? What about it? But I know what you're saying. There are people who would be uh, not as strong as yourself and more vulnerable. And God knows what might happen in a scenario like like this. I, I suppose the most difficult part was telling your family and your friends, those closest to you. Well, actually, the, the inverse, to be honest, like because I, I have a fantastic family, fantastic right. friends, like super yeah, supportive. Yeah. So like, th- those conversations are actually easy. It was okay. more like the public element of it. I see. Difficult. Um, yes. Well, like, I, it was... It was necessary for me to protect myself and as I said like it, it leads to a conversation where we might be able to protect further people and yeah. you know especially vulnerable young men and women from this happening to us. so like I'm just trying to focus on the, the positive we can do with this it's been really terrible for me I've had an awful week but like it's now what can we do to like protect other people yes yeah um, look uh, t- t- talking about this today I hope is a warning to many people as well and indeed people who may know, think they know people or know people for quite some time and are in a relationship and have met and even exchanging at that stage you know if something happens and uh, the wheels come off the wagon and you break up whatever we know even beyond that it is dangerous to leave intimate stuff with people because God knows where that will end up you know what I'm talking about 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like it happens, with, you know, revenge porn happens in relationships too. Um, and it can happen though. Yeah, it's just, you just have to be really careful and, you know, there is a massive amount of trust involved. So mm. it, 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 it's always got like sending a picture uh, of that nature is always going to carry a bit of risk with it. Yes. And just be aware of that risk when you're making that decision that like, you know, it, even if you do fully trust someone, there is always a, a little bit of risk. Yeah. Did you uh, go to the authorities? I presume you reported this to the guards. Yeah, I did. I, I reported through hotline.ie um, and uh, an inspector has subsequently been in contact. So there's a report being issued and there'll be an investigation. But like, for me, look, I don't think anyone's going to be caught, especially if, if what he told me is true and he's based in a different country. That's outside the Guardian's remit. But like, in terms of, I suppose for me, I was just thinking like, to make the stats as accurate as possible so that we mm. have a full, like, full scope of like how often this is happening so we can get further funding and then more people might be prosecuted. But like I don't think this situation is going to end in uh, justice, I guess. Did, did you ever suspect, you know, when you were uh, communicating with Tracy in inverted commas, did you ever smell a rat at all? No, like, I mean, if I had, then I, I would have just backed out. Like, it wasn't, yeah. like... You know, like if if, uh, if I had suspected anything, I would have jumped ship. So no, is is the question, and that's the really scary part is that it was so convincing. They were using pictures, they were sending me pictures like just selfies. They're sending videos. It was really, really convincing. Like, um, mm. and and like they asked me like for Instagram and all that as well. Like, so they were like covering all their bases, and it, yeah, it just I mean, there's no way. Uh, looking back that I could have known it was a fake person it was just incredibly convincing it looked absolutely genuine did you see pictures of this Tracy was all that there it looked 100% yeah yeah like her profile was everything yeah yeah. and then when we were on Snapchat she was you know sending because that's a picture messaging app like sending pictures you know whenever we were messaging just with her text or whatever like so yeah 100% Mm, just shows you how uh how uh, genuine this absolutely looked. It, it, it's some scam, all right. Um, have you heard anything? Ha- has the the people behind the person or the people behind this have they tried since to uh, get money from you? What did they look for? Two thousand they wanted in Bitcoin transferred across immediately. And I know some people would panic. Have you heard anything in the last couple of days? No, like Monday Nothing. was the last time I heard from them. So I imagine they're just running the scam on hundreds of people a day and, mm. you know, it, they'll threaten and some people will send the money and that's how they're making their money and if someone refuses, they just seem, well, in my case, hopefully they've moved on. Mm. So, like, it just seems to be a, a like, I, I imagine it's, yeah, a massive um, kind of enterprise. Yeah, yeah, you're just one of, of numerous that they're picking off at the moment it's hardly worth a while doing that with the pictures at this stage you're not going to pay it's clear to them at this stage are you worried that the pictures might still appear somewhere um not like I mean they could I'm not worried about it like cause, I mean the most embarrassing part about the pictures uh, going out into the public is that people will know that it's happened and I've already told people it's happened so the mm. most embarrassing part for me is over um yes so, like, if the pictures go out there now, you know, it'll just be kind of, okay, that happened. Uh, but, the, yeah, I mean, I've already told people it's happened. That's the, that, for me, that's the harder part. So, yeah. um, but at least I had that control over people finding out rather than it being done to me. So, um, if the pictures go out now, it'll be, it'll be annoying and I'd rather they didn't go out, but it won't be the end of the world. 
Yeah, you're ahead of the posse, that's for sure. You've seen this off and you're an example of of handling and dealing with with something like this. No more uh, dating apps for Dara and uh, tread carefully for sure in the the future. Uh, Go out to the local pub for a pint and put your eye on someone (laughs) and start the old chat. Let's get back to what it's really all about, Dara, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, good to talk to you today on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks, Take Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Dara Fleming there. Be warned. Tracy. (laughs) Tracy, indeed. Don't send those pictures, I'm telling. And I know people are at it all the time and they exchange photos and everything. But by God, you could be caught with your pants down. Fleetwood Mac and dreams on your late lunch this Thursday afternoon and your dreams could come true if you play our LMFM radio bingo to the tune of €6,600 that's the jackpot next week and there's a grand up for grabs in August yes lucky numbers is back well done to Theresa Smith Clotterhead we're going to Clotterhead next Tuesday with the late lunch by the way €600 for Theresa uh, Sean Weldon uh, Olivia Cusson Margaret Hapney all picked up €400 and you can buy your book today from outlets across the North East to play for that 6600 jackpot in the bingo uh, Mason Bettystown have the books there today's local in Knockbridge have them as well and remember when you play LMFM Radio Bingo you're supporting the Gary Kelly Cancer Support Centre who supports so many people right across the North East that story Louise uh, there before for uh, the last break from Dara Fleming uh, about being, you know, really caught um, is uh, really telling, isn't it? It really mm-hmm. is. There's a message in it. But I suppose it'll fall on waste ground, on waste ears, as they say, because it seems to be the way of the world today, doesn't it, that these pictures are exchanged? I think the way they go about it, it just grabs the person's trust mm-hmm. and, you know, really... As exploits them before the sex torsion starts. Yes, yeah, and, and the know, other thing I did say there, you know, you can be with somebody and relationships break up, mm. and God knows what happens. Revenge. What's been it? Yeah, the revenge stuff happens at that stage. Really, is one. It show how easy it shows how easy he felt for him because he's been on the apps before. We have to say, and this, that, and the other. But this time, certainly caught out big time. And I think, in fairness to him, because he's probably one of the few. What makes it work as well as kind of wrangling into your affections and making you trust them to send those images in the first place, they're banking on you being too ashamed to, to yes. tell anybody. And that's you just what, pay up and you yeah. rob Peter to pay them. Yes, yeah. Uh, that's the whole thing, it's the embarrassment. Yeah, you know. Oh my God, poor Dara, uh, says Joanne. Catfish happens to so many people, it's shocking. Um, some people, you know, actually took their own lives. because, And, and that's a message coming in yeah. from a listener that day. And that is a fact, you know, because they're just, as you said, too mm. ashamed to actually face the music. That's, Dara was mm. first class in what he did. And some of these people, you have to, you know, the way the, wor- the, way the world works and everything is on social media, you might have these people target a teenager who might be very lonely, have no friends yeah. and he's loves this attention and he's thriving on it. So that really then makes their mental he- mm. health far worse and they could be on the brink as it is. 
Yeah. There's an interesting message from a listener. Uh, we were talking to Theresa Coulthard in the Vincent shop and this listener says uh, the Vincent shops are actually a lifesaver for some families. Unfortunately, our local school in that boy where my son attends have taken it upon themselves for some unknown reason to bring out a whole new uniform this year, crested and all. So it's mm-hmm. a massive expense on us parents at an already extremely difficult time. Oh, we That's, had a good chat yeah. yesterday with Siobhan and Neil White about this. There's that boy in a national school there, you know, with a change of uniform. And I can imagine you can just hear in that message there how uh, pressing it is mm-hmm. on, on many families, you know. And as Siobhan was saying yesterday, I know things change and move on and this, that and the other, but schools have to take... N- cognizance you know this as well yeah. of the pressure and it's the that, crest that's the main, yeah. the main charge like. yeah that parents are on the thanks indeed for sending us that message today uh, I do appreciate it five four three two one counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear and today it's the number two from this week in 1983 and it comes from British musical group Freeze. It's their most successful song. It really is. It was the 20th best selling single in the United Kingdom in the year in question and it made number one on the Billboard Hot Dance Club play chart in the USA. The biggest hit over there as well. Yes, the number two from this week in 83. It's Freeze and I.O.U. A-E-I-O-U Number 2 This week In 1983 Yes, that's your number 2 from the charts This week in 83 The number 1 coming your way tomorrow Louise told me she'd never ever heard that song before There you go Well, sure, that seems a lot of people didn't Anyway, I do sort of remember it I do, it's in the back of the memory bank there Somewhere Alison Common has this lovely story in this week's Drawhead Independent. Make sure you pick up your copy of the paper and all local papers as well. We've got to support them and uh, they do a fantastic, fantastic job. Anyway, we're going to talk about it for the next while because Nicholas Hogan is going to say hello to me. Hello, Nicholas. Hello. How are you? Good. I'm great. Are you enjoying your summer holidays? Yes, I am. They were great. Great. Where did you go? Uh, France. Okay, France. You lucky, lucky uh, lads going up to France on your holidays. Now, you were on your way to France uh, on the ferry. Tell our listeners what you did. So, um, I wrote out a message and I put the message in a bottle and I put some Pokemon cards in the bottle and I threw it off the ship and I was hoping someone would find it. And it was found. Before you tell us about it being found, what did you write on the note, Nicholas? Um, just uh, my address and where I live and my dad's email and stuff. All right, so all your contact details. And what did you write it with? Did you write it in pen or marker or what did you use? Um, I, I, used, I used a pen... Uh, sorry, no, a pencil and a red crayon. Good man yourself. And what kind of a bottle was it? Were you a screw top bottle that you were able to put it in and screw the top back on? Was that it? Yeah. 
good man yourself. So into the sea it went and you hoped that someday somebody might pick up the bottle and see who you were and perhaps get in touch with you. So off you went to France for your holiday, okay? And you came back. How long were you in France for? Uh, three weeks. Oh my God. Talk about having a fantastic summer holiday. You are just so lucky. Anyway, three weeks in France. Back you come on the ferry and home. Tell tell us what happened when you got home. So when I got home, my grandma and granddad were waiting there for me. So I was going to give them their presents. So I was handing out the presents and then my mom said, Nicholas, there's a letter for you. And I was confused. Because who would send a letter to me? And then my dad said, hold on, that's a Welsh stamp. And then I opened the letter and then there was a reply from the message in the bottle. Wow, this is just fabulous. I'd say you are over the moon. Were you chuffed? Uh, Yes, I was. (laughs) I'm sure you were. So somebody found your uh, message in a bottle. Off the coast of Wales it was found. Yes. And who is the uh, person who replied to you? Um, Jay, uh, Claire, uh, Mia, and um, I, ca- I can't remember the last name. Okay, so the... Uh, Ian. Yeah, so, so the dad of this family called Jay found the bottle when he was out canoeing. Mm-hmm. Very good, and with all your details in it. And they uh, live in Aberdiffie, which is at the mouth of the uh, Diffie River in Wales, out canoeing there, and he found your bottle. So you threw it in the sea. What day did you chuck it over the overboard from the ferry? Um... I don't actually know. Early July, was I think it was around the 2nd of July. I, I think it it's the 2nd of July it was. Early July. And he found it around the 8th, the 8th of July. Yes, it was. The 8th of July. So it didn't take long to find its way to Wales. Yes. That's amazing. It really is that it got there so quickly. So have you, you got his details back to you by post. Have you been in touch with him? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I sent... I'm going to send him a letter today. Oh, good on you. Great. So the letter will be, you're going to write back to him now and that'll be the first he'll have heard of this, will it? Yeah. Oh, good man yourself. I love that. Really traditional, you know what I mean? Using, uh, Using the post as well. This is just a wonderful, wonderful story. Did you ever expect that somebody would find it so quickly? Uh, no, I thought I got stuck on some rocks or <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, it didn't. And there you are. Now you've made new friends in Wales and you're starting to correspond with them. What a story you have from your summer holidays this year. I don't think there'll be many other boys or girls will have a story to tell like this, Nicholas. Oh. When you go back yeah. when you go back to school and they ask you what happened during your summertime, what a story you have to tell, young man. Yeah. Isn't it just Go on. Have a big story to tell. You do have a big story to tell, that's for sure. Is your dad beside you there, Noel? Yeah, my my dad's beside me. Yeah, will you put him on to me there for a second, Nicholas, please? Okay. Hello. Hey, Noel, you have one top young man there. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. What a great great story. Great adventure. What a great story. And how well he tells it himself. 
what, what, you know, prompted this? You know, why did he, did he do this in the first place? Uh, I don't know. We, he just, uh, I think he just saw, saw the idea of a message in a bottle and uh, just said, wow, I'd like to try that. Yeah. So um, we were heading to France uh, from uh, Dublin to Cherbourg and we said, right, we get a bottle, a Vithit bottle we got and uh, stuck it in, sealed it tight and uh, he wrote a message on the outside to, to warn people, uh, to remind people. And then he, uh, about three hours into the voyage, we threw it off and we were about half an hour south of uh, Ross Lair. Mm. And uh, thought no more of it. That was it. You know, might find out in five, ten years, maybe never. Uh, but lo and behold, it came back um, <laughs> by the time we were back from France. <laughs> Isn't this just brilliant? It really, really is. I'm sure, like, he he said himself, Nick, uh, 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 that Nicholas himself was chuffed and delighted. You must have all got the land of your lives. Yeah, it, uh, my wife jokes that I was more excited than, uh, than the eight-year-old, you know. It was just uh, yeah, a great little story, and he put a lot of planning into it. He said he wasn't going to throw it out in Dublin because it might just wash up close yes. by. So yeah. waiting three hours in, as soon as we could no longer see Ireland, uh, in it went to the sea. And we have a little video up on YouTube of him throwing it into the sea. And uh, he had to take one or two attempts, actually, to get it in, um, just how excited he was. But uh, in it mm. went anyway, and that was that. It was just one of these things that everyone talks about doing and hears about it, but uh, very, not very often you hear such a reply so quickly. Uh, there's a listener saying in fairness Jerry that message got there quicker than some items that are posted (laughs) 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 boom boom (laughs) I like that (laughs) yes yes indeed well look and well done to you all for the story and now you have uh, new friends in Wales uh, to be made as well and correspondence going back now in the other way just put them back on for a second till I say good luck to them Noel please well Hello? Nicholas, I just want to say you're a star. You really are. You told us the story wonderfully and it's just great to hear your story today on Late Lunch on LMFM. Good luck to you for the rest of the summer and thank you for joining me today on the show, Nicholas. You're welcome. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. That's Noel and Nicholas Hogan there. Nicholas, the main man, uh, he's a young boy and he's just his dream has come true with the bottle being found in the sea. That's it on Late Lunch this afternoon. Thank you for joining us again. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with The Drive. Final show of the week coming up tomorrow from 1.30. Do join us then. Have a nice evening. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.